Welcome back to this month's Real Estate Roundtable, your all-in-one comprehensive view of what's happening across the industry, straight from some of the industry's earliest technology adopters and foremost experts in technology, marketing, brokerage, government policy, capital construction, and cybersecurity. This is a three-part show, as always, starting with our introductions for each roundtable host and, their, and what's happening in their business sector. Then we, we drill down, dive deep into the biggest news and paradigm shifts affecting your business. Part three, and the final part, what can you do over the next 30 days to improve, optimize, and basically outpace your competition? I'm your host, Andreas Senni, founder, Siri Collaborative, brokerage owner and technology growth strategist. And joining me this month for the first time is none other than Dan Wagner, Senior Vice President, Government Relations at the Inland Real Estate Group of Companies. All things 1031 DST and uh, as Saul would say, the bigger picture that's truly making moves. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. Well, thank Welcome, you so Dan. Thank you. It's great to be here. We are happy to have you as an ongoing host. Also joining us, as always, Saul Klein, the original real estate internet evangelist, a realtor emeritus, and famous car wash owner. Yes, I said it. Uh, executive editor at Realtown, Realty Times, excuse me, and our California native, Chris Abel, membership director, Associated Builders and Contractors, CT Chapter, Rebecca Carlson, founder, CEO, Carlson Integrated. Anna Maria Kowalik, our Director of Business Development over at In Green Capital and all things finance and CPACE. None other than Professor Darren Hayes, CEO of Code Detectives, and one of the top 10 cyber forensic specialists in the country. And with that, we have our largest roundtable ever. Guys, welcome back. We are, believe it or not, at our 73rd episode doing this and this is a big room i feel like i'm on a big zoom call all of a sudden with a lot of great people so as always i'll i'll start you know the biggest changes here in the brokerage side in the development side real estate wise rising interest rates negative effect on lending on commercial investment the spread is widening for all my, all my clients, all my customers, all of the different deals. At the same time, my team's tenant representation, it's a little difficult. The, the new projects that were supposed to be completed have not completed. And now you've got your owners of your B and C uh, mixed use and or retail strip centers simply saying, well, I'm gonna wait for the better deal. I'm gonna push uh, for better terms. So although there's opportunities out there, uh, I think I speak for all of us. Deal speed is slowing as everybody adjusts to what's happening. That all being said, Saul, how about on the other side of the country there? How are things on the east think, coast, on the west coast? I think it's probably pretty consistent when interest rates go up, regardless regardless of which interest rates go up. When interest rates go up, then it's a greater expense at different points in your business, be it the mortgage side or on the business side, on the credit card. I mean, it's just going to be more money going to debt service, and that's less money that can be spent on other things, and that's going to slow things down, and that's kind of what it's intended to do. And so we're seeing you know, that in San Diego. I look at the real estate marketplace, kind of watch days on market, and while you know it's still early in the last 60 days we've gone from like uh, 14 days on market to 30 days uh, average market time so you know is that is that indicative of the short period of time but i think probably that's what's going to continue to happen for a while and in the meantime i got my uh, financial statements from the car wash and car wash revenues are up 10 percent over last month and I actually visited the car wash myself, and I haven't washed my car at our car wash probably in 25 years. And so it was great to see the foaming brush, and the, now you can put the credit card in, and you can turn it and keep spending credit card money, and when you're done, you push a button, and so, the, so up 10%. And another interesting point is that the density in the area has increased uh, dramatically over the last 
10, 15 years in particular, but more, lately more buildings, bigger buildings, higher build, you know, higher, more floors, density bonuses. And so I, as I think to myself, the, um, boy, the car wash has just got so many more opportunities because of the fact that they're building more residential property and that's great. And, uh, so I think things that from the car wash perspective, uh, when, when I was there yesterday, the, all the, I had to wait. The, all the bays were five bays. They were all full. So, you know, the uh, people are out, at least at that level. They're spending some money. And uh, that car wash indicator indicates to me that, uh, that people at least want to do things. And if you can't do anything else, go out and wash your car. Fair <laughs> point. The economy, things are still moving. Uh, what I'm hearing is people are out spending money, buying things. You've cleaned your car for the first time in 25 years at your car wash. Not that you went elsewhere, right? It was just you haven't cleaned the car. Yeah, see, uh, ours is ours is like a, you have to do it yourself, right? And it's like been many years that <laughs> I wanted to take the time to do that. So, well, I, it, it's a it's an interesting thing. I also washed my car this month simply because the high school was raising money and it was five dollars, and they did an okay job, so that worked out well. <laughs> But before we dive deep or too far into the car wash world, uh, and hopefully Dan Wagner will be able to shed some light on this uh, government policy-wise, the inflation rates keep going up. What, where, what is going to happen? Or given the the history in this room, two hundred years of real estate history, construction, cyber, everything, what is going to happen now as as we head into past the summer doldrums, this two-week uh, part of the season, into the fall? for real estate, for your car wash in California is always busy. We get that, but marketing, well, everything. Did you want me, I could give you a heads up of what's uh, what just came out of Washington. Would you want me to give you a kind of a, a primer of what's going on? Only if it's going to help us in the business. You're you're frozen on my screen, but please go, Dan, by all means. Am I, can you in. hear me? Am I okay I now? can. Yes, that Sprite looks fantastic, though. We're going to charge them a royalty. Well, and I, I hope you know I'm coming at you live from the uh, the land of Lincoln, from Oakbrook, Illinois. And you can see my my favorite president, Abraham Lincoln, you know, behind me on my shoulder. So if you want to know who I who I love the most, it's it's old Lincoln. But um, I wanted to highlight to you that last week um, the tax provisions in Schumer and uh, and Mansions uh, Schumer and Mansions Inflation Reduction Act came out. So the <laughs> inland. You know, I work in the Erie Group, and we're, we're part of many um, national organizations. But one of them that's very powerful is the National Association of Realtors, and Evan Lydiard is uh, in charge of tax there, and he put together a really good um, understanding of what what happened last week. But basically, it surprised everybody that, uh, and most member, members of Congress, that the White House uh, came out uh, working with Senator Joe Manchin and actually came up with a way to do uh, reconciliation, which is a way to, to move forward and uh, possibly raising taxes. The uh, provisions that were put out for the tax provisions is that the 50% alternative minimum tax for large corporations, um, that's going to be uh, put into place. Extra funding service to improve taxpayer compliance. Uh, change in the rules for governing partnerships with carried interest. So you'll be uh, a pretty big uh, increase in carried interest tax. The, so I can kind of go into that because that's obviously impacting a lot of uh, people that are on this call. The provision will extend the long-term capital gains holder requirement for carried interest in a partnership from the current law of three years to five years, meaning that the gains from investments held less than five years will be taxed. And listen to this, at ordinary income rates, as high as 37% and not at capital gains rates. The provision would also make several other changes to how these interests are taxed. While provision grants exceptions to the longer holding period for assets used in real property trade or business and for individual taxpayers with incomes of less than 400000 per year, some of the other changes could reportedly have the effect of extending the three-year clock on a, on a much longer period and some partners facing the ordinary income rates on their kid interest. So real property trade or business is defined as any real property development, redevelopment, or construction. This is estimated to raise about $14 billion. And then another area is climate change energy saving provisions. So um, this would include provisions for both residential and commercial property owners that would help reduce their electricity bills and make their properties more energy efficient. I can go into that a little bit more. 
But the um, the interesting thing is that all of the there's a variety of Democrats that have highlighted that they're not going to vote for any type of legislation that doesn't uh, doesn't uh, get rid of the salt cap, um, and that is uh, it's it's looked at the that they're probably still going to pass it anyway. But everyone's waiting to see what Kristen Kristen Cinema is going to do. But um, it's it's a, a pretty big deal that they're moving forward with this. The, the best news of all, though, is that the 1031 like kind of exchange is not going to be touched. So thank God we've done a great job with our, everybody working together to uh, to help save the 1031. But um, this is a, this is a big deal, and you know everybody's probably watching this. And um, it's I just wanted to highlight that you know be, be aware of it and how it could impact uh, your development. Well, and so you brought up a great point. Well, an interesting point there. Five-year holding periods, and you know, as I said, develop, developers here, developments, some are slow. They're not going to be finished on time. Many are going to come up for acquisition. Not in Shelton, because Shelton's doing fantastic, but in other areas. Uh, it sounds like they, they, they could even be penalized here with this yeah. change if they, don't, if they have to get out early. If they, yeah, if they have to get out early, they're going to be taxed at ordinary income. So they go from three years to five years. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a big deal for people to be just to be aware. It's it's important that people talk to their uh, accountants to make sure of how the deal is gonna the numbers are gonna come out now because you're looking wow. uh, being, being taxed at ordinary income is a big deal. Oh yeah. Well, and Chris, is there is there any light at the end of the tunnel here on the construction side, the development side? And, and oh, go ahead. Well. No, the the bidding is obviously highly highly competitive, um, even more so than it you know than it usually is. Um, a lot of the you know other contractors I'm bumping into, they're basically saying you know their books are telling them that they need more work, but of course the labor side of things is is kind of like how are they going to get the work done, which is what we've talked about over the last few months. Um, with some of the stuff that that Dan was talking about, some of the some of the other stuff that's kind of lingering in that in that in that piece has to do with, you know, the project labor agreements and, you know, who's, who's going to be doing the jobs and who's going to be up for being able to do those jobs and bidding. So I know a lot of the, at least the contractors that I work for, um, to Dan's point, they're, they're staring at this, at all of this information to kind of see how everything pans out. Um, because, you know, where I represent kind of the, the merit shop contractors or the open shop contractors, they're, you know, a little bit nervous to see, you know, if this is going to end up, eventually down the road underneath everything increasing more of the project labor agreements that are out there um which shut quite frankly you know kind of shuts the, the merit shop out so um the contractors i work with i mean they're they're just they're hanging on to their bootstraps and trying to do everything they can to uh to stay afloat and just kind of you know get the work done that's that's out there um a lot of them are telling me that they have jobs coming up they just haven't started yet which seems to be the trend over the last I would say probably the last two or three months, but now that their things are, seem to be slowing down for them, they're being a little more vocal about it. So when I speak to them, I've been speaking to a lot of GCs lately because I'm getting ready for an event in September uh, to highlight a lot of them. And they're kind of, you know, they're saying, hey, you know, we're just, we got work. We're just waiting for it to get off the ground. We got work. We're just trying to wait to get off the ground. But why isn't it getting off the ground? Is, is it is it cash flow? Is it is it is it not calling Anna Maria for C pace and getting that extra that extra bump? <laughs> for, for the most part, I mean, it seems to be a, a capital thing, or the you know the owner whoever's behind the project not being able to get off the ground, or trying to find ways to um, still deal with some of the supply stuff and try to you know wait things out to see if some of the supply stuff will uh, will come down a little bit, but. Um, so I've been keeping my my ears open to some of the you know the economists and a lot of the uh, economic forecasts that are coming out. A lot of the stuff that Dan was talking about, as far as the government relations, to the best that I can, uh, quite frankly, understand the majority of it. There's a lot of stuff going on in in, in all that uh, in everything Dan mentioned there. Um, so it's tough. It's a tough uh, tough time right now, and everyone's kind of just kind of hanging in there, but they're definitely a little more vocal about some of the challenges they're running into. And I don't hear as much about the labor stuff, even though it's there. I'm hearing more about trying to find more work, even if it's small, smaller jobs, just to just to compensate and keep people busy. Uh, well, it, it's, it's amazing to me. I, there's a few projects going on through our team here and, and even through friends and with prices where they are. I've heard 
uh, that contractors are, are simply not showing up on jobs they've accepted because they're they're doing other bigger jobs for more money and just leaving it halfway. And that's not that's not a slight against the industry. It just seems like everyone's jumping to the next big thing, which which is a conversation in and of itself. Um, but so spe especially when that's kind of like we were talking about last month. Um, and Anna Marie and I were talking about a little bit more about, you know, the ones that are jumping all over the, the universities and the schools and the ones that can cut the checks versus the ones that are kind of more of the private, you know, some of the private work. I personally haven't heard anything about the, the you know, not showing up and stuff like that. That probably just wouldn't be something I would I would hear in my position. But, yeah, I could I could totally see it happening. Doesn't surprise me. Well, it's it's uh, it's nothing new in the, in the cyclical nature of real estate. We've been through this before: labor shortages, uh, supply shortages. Uh, the the only new thing today is is really the data and the, and and how aware I think we all are about of each market and all our different areas. Uh, especially when we look at some you know, Professor Hayes, he just came back from the UK. You're out there in cybersecurity and such. Everyone's everyone's aware of, uh, or maybe they're not. We're all vulnerable to many different risks as business owners, developers, owners, investors, lenders. Um, is it? Are there things on your side from cybersecurity that are impacting the construction side, the development side, the labor side? I mean, is, is that a contributing factor to this delay? Oh, I can't hear. I think you're muted there. It is. <laughs> While Darren unmutes, and then obviously marketing-wise, everything looks great and it all sounds great, but when we drill down, Becca, I want to hear the difference of, of what's really happening out there because you know, what we're seeing and, and what we're being told is marketing. Plastic chat. <laughs> oh, I think that that's a. Uh... That's, That's a, a rough road. Good question, right? <laughs> Darren, are you with us? Well, Darren uh, checks that back of your hot right, seat. All right. <laughs> so we're going to talk about perception and reality because they're not always the same things. And a lot of companies are working to build perception when the reality may not be quite as sexy, that they're still raising capital, they're still providing the same in similar terms because they might be in a fund structure where they are captive to the terms that they set forth before and yet financing financing does change over time and so what i am seeing is that some of the funds that i work with really are projecting like no more acquisitions this year eh we're done we did, we, we did a lot of really good work the first half of the year we were really busy but we're not going to be able to find anything the rest of the year. So there's a ton of capital. The market's flush with capital. However, investors aren't idiots either. <laughs> they know that they have to make money off of it, off of these investments. I will be really interested to see how this longer term hold comes into play, because I think that does very much change the business profile of a developer. Often developers do do that development with that plan of an exit and monetizing that development pretty much immediately as soon as it's completed. If they have to have that five-year hold for capital gains so it's not treated as ordinary income, I think that's gonna change some business practices and, some, and how developers approach those new developments. One piece that I'm seeing on the real estate side that's kind of interesting to me is that there is some distress here in Chicago in the hospitality sector, but I'm also seeing a lot of in interest in the hospitality sector of people adding hotels to their list of things they finance, adding hotels to the list of things that they're seeking as far as acquisitions go. And I think that with the rise of travel, and in some markets it's actually above 2019 already, some of those marketplaces are going to continue to be very, very very flush with capital and interest on those hospitality sides. So I think hospitality, you know, all of our, every market that we serve in commercial real estate has a cycle to it. And so hospitality, of course, had a really hard cycle. That actually reminds me of um, 2001. I remember right, or right after 9-11, how hospitality was impacted 
the COVID cycle reminds me of the same thing. So I think that there are going to continue to be great opportunities in that sector. So I'm paying a little bit extra attention to that one because it is an outlier to some of the other product types that I typically pay attention to. Well, and, and you brought up an for, you brought up an interesting asset class, uh, hospitality, hotels, like short-term rentals, like public storage. I mean, these are, in my mind, and in, 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 in a lot of brokers' portfolios right now, these are the things that are transacting because you can adjust up for inflation. We can raise the rent on a, on a hotel room for the night. We can, we can increase dramatically what we charge and, and we can adjust. Whereas an office building or a retail center with long-term leases, they're going to be, they're, they're stuck. You can't change those contracts midway. Uh, I mean, the only thing you can do is try to improve performance with, with environmental and CPACE, which is Anna Maria's specialty here. Uh, and Darren's working on his audio. Uh, are you seeing some of the same, Anna Maria? Are you finding that more owners are reaching out to you now to... to carry over so to speak so absolutely uh, i want to go back to your original comment andreas where you were talking about uh, you know people kind of running scared or being hesitant you know seeing that the rates go up so quickly and uh, all the various iterations and um and and so for a while things had slowed just a little bit but we've got a really healthy pipeline. And I have to say that uh, I'm realistically optimistic. Of course, I can be in, in this wonderful industry. I think, you know, we're, we're just at the, uh, you know, precipice of uh, really becoming bigger. And uh, although we are still seeing, uh, you know, as Chris said, um, uh, you know, some delays in projects, uh, but they are in the pipeline. I mean, they, they're they uh, looking for financing. Uh, they're prime for CPACE. And CPACE is always, I always call it kind of a recession-proof type product. Um, today's rates that we're seeing are basically almost back to the level they were pre-pandemic. So, um you know, it, it's, it has been um, a, a good run for us this summer. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just see it getting bigger and better all the time. So, uh, uh, you know, last, uh, I, I want to speak to that hospitality point too, uh, Becca, because, um, you know, last conversation that we had here last month, we were talking about regional differences, um, you know, and uh, how real estate trends can vary quite a bit from, you know, depending what part of the country you're in or, or depending, you know, just where you're, again, the, the basic tenet of real estate location. And so uh, on that hospitality note, um, there are lots of hospitality, lots of hotels doing really well right now, getting back to uh, just about pre-pandemic uh, uh, situations uh, based on tourism or based on, um, uh, you know, where they're located. Uh, uh, if they're more urban centric and, and were the types of uh, places that hosted uh, business events, you know, maybe those places are doing a little less business than they were, and they're still not up to par. So I think a lot of it just really has to do with, um, you know, <laughs> regional and, and different other metrics. But um, where we've been seeing in CPACE a lot of growth, multifamily new construction. And so I, that's really where it's at right now. And, uh, and I think it's going to hold there for a while. Uh, housing is always important. Affordable housing is always very important uh, and, and reaching the right um, uh, targets. And, and so, uh, yes, I think, uh, you know, multifamily will continue to do well for a while. Well, and, and so whether regionally, nationally, multifamily is always a great bet for all investors. I've been a firm believer in that, as is everyone on the call, I believe. Uh, but here's my big question. Changes in taxations, cash flow 
uh, pro forma cash flows are now shrinking. We're getting to what, what may or may not be. And uh, Dan, you brought up this new five-year capital gains treated as ordinary income, which brings me to Saul. Eight years ago, 10 years ago, and through our show the last six months, we started to talk about fractional ownership interests and ICE coming in and purchasing different parties. Is, is the relief that we all need as brokers, developers, investors, owners uh, with these assets around the corner in that we can start to sell those interests and we can move it to that secondary market? I don't know about I don't know about around the corner. I want to, but I want to mention something about Anna Marie saying realistically optimistic. Real, <laughs> real. The other day, I I kind of identified myself as skeptically optimistic. <laughs> and uh, so, no, you, so the the housing. A lot of people don't understand how the housing finance industry works. Sure. They just don't see it. It's this giant thing. It's all right now controlled by the U.S. government, right? Because Fannie and Freddie are in receivership and so the risks are taken at that level and so ice is this giant company owns the new york stock exchange we've been through they've been they're like working on taking 70 or 80 percent of the cost of loans out of the market out of you know out of the loan process and this they've spent 50 billion dollars to do this so where is it going and how soon will it be here i don't know they spent 13.1 billion dollars on the acquisition of black knight which had has some more components of what they're building and they, they're starting to get industry pushback primarily from the GSEs, from Manny and Freddie, who see this as competition. So the technologies are back there. They're being built even beyond that is the things we've discussed, which is a fractionalization, you know, facilitated by blockchain to allow people to take it. Kind of the idea is that everybody should have the opportunity to participate in the, in the, uh, benefits of real estate ownership even if they can't come up with a lot of money if i got 25 dollars, i should be able to participate so there are people that have this this vision of being able to fractionalize to the level where anybody can buy at any time in marketplaces and i guess to answer the question all that's taken is all money is being spent people are being involved in that how long it takes maybe uh, what Dan talks about, when he talks about tax changes, might have something to do with how long all that takes to, to, for that to happen, right? Because we know that, that tax policy often is more than revenue. It's social uh, engineering as well. Well, I mean, the point, Paul, if I could jump in, that, you know, when you talk about social engineering, that you look at um, in, in red states versus uh, blue states, um, some of the blue states are doing rent control. Um, in different places, and their tax policies are are, are pushing uh, people to be fleeing different states. And so, I think you also want to take a look at where you're going to purchase. And I think you look at Florida, you look at Texas, you try to go to the tax-friendly states. And I think that's an important factor that people have to be aware of. Um, it, it when you look at you know the uh, the crime rate in downtown Chicago, you know we're uh, we're upset about having um, the state's attorney that just is letting people out of jail. And so people are feeling less safe. We go to San Francisco, Seattle. I mean, you have different places that are um, here in Portland. Um, so those things you have to take into consideration when you're looking at uh, purchasing or, or developing anywhere. You know, I read something the other day. It's interesting. So we have COVID. And so these new, new necessities then created new behaviors. And then the real question where the money is, is which of those new behaviors are going to become habits? Yeah, and then you kind of figure that out ahead of time. And so a lot of people were saying that there is no more new normal, and people are not going to return, and everybody's going to work from home. And that kind of was like the word of the day for a while. But I, I've read recently where maybe that's not the case. In some cities, people are going back. Now, in the cities you mentioned, Chicago, the big uh, New York, San Francisco, the the downtown, because people were talking about we got to reconfigure the use of some of this property. And now they're saying maybe not, at least in some of the smaller, under 300,000 population, where they're actually people are going back to work and they're going back to work in greater numbers than some of the bigger cities. That's a good point. Well, and as they, as they reconfigure, and I, I want to run back, uh, point back to your uh, buy at any time statement. What about selling at any time? Can these and inland, you know, the DST, that's inland. Inland was the first. This is why it exists. 
you invest in the DST, someone else manages it, you've got that income. It's, it's a great vehicle for those who don't know about it. Instead of being well, a landlord with a headache of answering the phone and dealing with it, if you, if you have enough net worth and you can invest into that securities product, what well, is this? As a, as a Series 763 person, securities person, I first have to say that you need to talk to your financial advisor before you decide to do anything. And this uh -huh. is not guaranteed anybody a return on any investment. But all, So we can do all those you know, preliminary things. But, but will, it, will it help the developers and these owners that are now stuck? You know, I can't sell in five Absolutely. years. I'm going to hit with capital gains. Can I, can I now to what Saul was bringing up, can I can I open myself up to bring on these micro investors to to, to bridge my financing gap? I've got CPAs. I mean, what mm. what? It's a that's the new world. Saul Saul and I was back and forth on this. I, I actually I was talking to a young CEO startup guy, and uh, his concept is because there's a market for any cash flow product, really, if you think about it. So people buy cash flow. And so how can that cash flow be generated? How could you, might you be able to finance apartment buildings instead of qualifying the owner, their concept is you qualify the cash flow and you do this on the blockchain and real interesting concept of a new way to qualify and to loan money. And so you might see these new ways of, of, uh, of financing and new methods to qualify to, to, you know, to get access to funds. Well, and Saul, that's what CPACE does, is it qualifies the value of the property. It qualifies the property itself, not the property owner. And so it is one of those alternative those methods. Yeah. This was the cash know. flow. That's the point. There are, there are different ways to do this. Well, and, and then saving the energy, forest. saving on utility bills. Yeah, it, yeah. it balances out. And, and there's your cash flow. Absolutely. Well, and, and taking it further into the future, I think, could... Could developers, owners, contractors, could the contractors then, instead of uh, taking that money from the principal, from that owner, are there gonna, is there a place where they can gather that investment? Similar to what Chris touched on last month, in that they, they have their own, their own barter network now where they're saving materials and exchanging it, just, just to, to make that margin, because our margins are shrinking. That's really that technology is, that That technology is being built, is being utilized. Marketplaces are beginning. It's going to take time for this to take place, but yeah, you bet, right? I, I envision marketplace for just about everything because there's enough people. If you could just access everybody in the world, there's enough people to create, to support a lot of different businesses, but you never had access to everybody in the world before. And so now you do. And, um, and it's amazing what's taking place and how fast it's taking place. And yeah, we can look for, for big changes and the technology is being built to do that new ways to finance. And it's great to see these new people coming up with new ideas around. I, so I used to be involved with, and I know you are you people, I had a, a series seven, 2463 securities license that we were involved in, in real estate syndication and be really careful about it. But now it seems there are do, new exemptions and new ways to do it. So people are trying these, things and one of the things you have to be careful of if you're looking at these fractionalized uh, ways to own things is are they securities or are they not securities absolutely great point. sometimes they are and sometimes they're not right and that's a that's a big key when you when you look at a company um like inland or 50 some year history you got to look at a track record of the company because it is very dicey out there and you know, we follow everything by the book and you want to make sure to have a conservative company that's going to be working with you because it's scary. You, you could walk into a really a dangerous uh, area for your your client or for yourself and you want to make sure it's going to be the right thing for you. So whatever you do, you always want to uh, double check and have the, the belt suspenders on whatever you do. Speaking hey, of Andreas. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was headed your way. I was. No. Perception, <laughs> security. Go ahead. Perception, <laughs> reality. Well, right, because someone's marketing these funds, somebody's marketing these opportunities for fractional ownership, and they're putting forth something that we're all perceiving. And we do need to understand the reality of that. And actually, I want to talk to Darren about this because I think the, the cybersecurity element of this and the security of this information may be as important as the whether it's a security or not i think whether it is secure or not is equally and possibly even more important, more important. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Darren, we can connect to everyone at any time. Saul's words. <laughs> What's happening? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, no, no absolutely. And, and uh, the thing as well is that a lot of people think, think about companies and company investments in terms of securities, but there's a lot, a lot of people who are, you know, a lot of companies out there have also been Bitcoin, right? So Elon Musk. Musk has talked about that. Uh, others are doing that. So, cryptocurrency is a big investment for a lot of mature companies as well today. And so, that is really, really important. Um, and, you know, a lot of these exchanges that uh, have been holding Bitcoin for entities have uh, been targets recently, and, and a lot of people lost millions, unfortunately. Well, so how do you know? So, so a firm like Backazi, you've been raising money for different funds to to invest. We've got Inland. We know Inland's got a track record. Your your brand recognition is there. How do we know we're dealing with the with uh, a good actor, the right person in today's world as we continue to expand, uh, as we're going out there looking for those deals, looking for those, looking for that supply, for those contractors, those people. Darren. Is there, what can we do to to check first uh, as as an individual? Well, what am well, I checking I, for? And then second, I'm going back up to Dan. How can I make sure uh, uh, regulatory wise that I'm dealing with the right people? Go ahead. Go ahead, Darren. So so one thing one thing I would can, can you hear me? Can sure. Yes. Something I'd like to mention is that, that one one of the big problems with fraud is. AI has become so sophisticated that uh, a lot of videos are being created of CEOs delivering messages to others, um, and it's resulted in losses of millions in certain circumstances. Picking up the phone to verify that this is the person or this is the correct man is, is sometimes really, really important. So picking up the phone. I love to hear that as a broker. I make a lot of phone calls, phone calls and, and, and networking. That's the way this business was run for generations. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, Dan, as yeah. far as a place to look and England's got a track record to go online. We see beautiful marketing and, and you look great. But what does that look like for people looking to? Well, to, so, so to, find, to, to find, you know, companies like Inland and, you know, of course, uh, there's uh, there's not any company like Inland, right? <laughs> we're all we're all original here. But the big deal is, um, you know, the Securities and Exchange Commission and FINRA, they have wonderful lists. You can go online and you can look up, uh, you know, different companies that have been fined. And you want to take a look at in researching yourself before you put any of your money into things. You need to research and find out on your own um, if it works. And then you want to work with a really good financial advisor that has the background and when they have a series seven and 63 and Saul knows this, you get fingerprinted by the FBI. The, that, that's why we have the great, you know, the SEC and FINRA, everybody is is going over and making sure that, that things are being done properly. But you want to look at, um, look at those websites and take a look at who you're dealing with because who you do business with is everything. And you don't want to uh, mess around. And, you know, when it comes to like Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff, I am totally clueless about that. So Dan Wagner, if I'm clueless about it, I'm not putting my hard-earned money into that. Some people are great with it. They know technology. They know what to do. You got to go what's in your wheelhouse, and you want to be able to have a trusted advisor. Just like when you, you, you use a realtor when you get a house or you buy you know, you, you use a trusted advisor. Financial advisors are the same way. You got to really go and, and check out who you're working with. And and you know you're you're the best at what you do, so we got to listen to you, right? <laughs> well, there we're each the best. Uh, I've been lucky enough to surround myself with the best and brightest. This call is a highlight of that. But before we jump to that topic and what I do and what we do, uh, Chris, what about on the the construction side, the development side? I mean, you said there's labor shortage. How does how does an everyday person or, or even someone in the business? like in inland protect themselves downstream when they when they're hiring these contractors are there are there people going out there misrepresenting themselves 
You don't have FINRA on top of you. You don't have that place to check. Is there a place to check for your contractors and so forth? Yeah, I mean, the as far as making sure that they have the, the right people in the right place. That they're going to be that the right guy. For the, they're not going to set your house on fire and tell you it was your cat. Yeah, your... <laughs> yeah I mean, it's a, you know, I'm sure different contractors, different companies have their, you know, different methods on, on checking on, on who they're bringing on board. Um, you know, it's, it's something that's been going on for, for decades and decades and decades, if not hundreds of years, as far as, you know, unfortunately where we are now, um, fortunate for the applicants who are looking for work, if they want to work in the construction industry, it's pretty easy for them to, to find jobs. I've had a couple, uh, you know, a couple of people basically say, Hey, listen, if they're, if they're getting up and they're coming into the interview and, and, you know, if they're breathing and they're ready to do some work, I'm, I'm ready to bring them on and I'm, I'll monitor them, monitor these people myself and see how it, it works out and do all the background checks, which I can't, you know, you're not necessarily always going to agree with that, but at the same time, um, we're in a weird spot where people who are retiring are almost more marketable to bring back somewhere or get hired somewhere else than people who should be working for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's a very odd uh, place to be where um, a lot of the companies are saying, hey, listen, I, I know you retired last year, but we really, we need you. We need you. You have your license. We'll pay for you to get your, you know, your license back if you don't have it. And I, I just need you to come in. And when you're talking about those multifamily uh, situations, I need you to come in so I can get a couple apprentices under you for the next six months while they're training, um, just so we can work and get them towards their license. So I do see a lot of um, interesting stuff going on where they're they're going back to who they know and who they trust, and they're willing to dig in their pockets and invest in some of the people that, quite frankly, are looking to get, you know, looking to get out. I've heard a, a lot of that over the last three months. Um, and then you know the good companies are always going to you know invest in the not only the marketing to bring in better applicants but they're going to invest in the um you know the resources to make sure that they're checking these people as best they can at the door um but at the same time there's a lot going on it's it's said that you know at least 40 percent of people are lying on their resume and usually about 60 percent of people checking resumes have caught somebody out on that resume now that could be everything from something simple to something huge um, but it doesn't take too, too long, um, putting someone onto a job site before you realize if they've been there before, um, and what their issues have, the hammer, have been. You know, it's the, the flat side of the hammer. Yeah. I do see a lot of, um, a lot of contractors starting to rely a lot more on the labor agencies and the staffing agencies to kind of do that, that work for them, where in the past, some of these contractors might have said, you know, they're just more expensive They're more expensive. But if I have to be out there and I have to be taking care of the, the men and women that I already have hired, I'm, I don't have any choice but to spend the money through the staffing and in, in, in the, um, you know, the staffing agencies to, to, kind of vet these people and figure it out. And I'm just going to have to pay that money. And then there's a few of those agencies that are basically, you know, taking the risks on right off the bat um, before they actually pass them over to, you know, to the contractors. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting. Now, do you guys, do you guys ever think about using, so, so Inland, we're, um, we're part of a, a whole bunch of organizations, but one of them that we're really proud of is the Better Business Bureau in the Chicagoland area. And we've received the uh, Torch Award for Ethics uh, for uh, running our business. And so that kind of, you know, Better Business Bureau does a really great job to uh, evaluate and, and check uh, if the company is good. So I know that, that would, in, in every area, that it's a, something to take a look at. But even when you go through the checks and balances, no one has a crystal ball. And so uh, we've had, uh, especially uh, in the solar industry, um, you know, uh, people uh, have the tendency to come and go for many different reasons. But uh, we've had occasion where, you know, fully vetted uh, contractor 
then had a falling out with, you know, between partners and dissolved the business. And now, you know, the, the customer who had a job done uh, is kind of left in the lurch, you know, because they have no one to maintain their product and, uh, you know, and, and no one crosses the lines of, uh, uh, you know, doctoring someone else's job, you know, someone else's patient, uh, you know, and, and it, you know, and, and still, um, uh, for example, in our industry, we have um, uh, the program administration uh, that, that is the arm in each of the states that helps facilitate the uh, financing transaction. And uh, typically they vet uh, capital providers that are signed up with their program, uh, contractors that are registered with their program, you know, whether they, uh, you know, how extensive that check might be, but, you know, at least that they are who they say they are and are, uh, you know, allowed to do business within that state uh, is extremely important. Um, you know, but there's always going to be something, you know, that can slip through the cracks, like, you know, the two owners that didn't get along and, and dissolved their business. And then, you know, suddenly people are left in the lurch. So great point. Also, one, uh, one other thing um, is, quite frankly, you know, and this could be a whole other topic, a whole other show, a whole other conversations that there's also a lot of, you know, there's people out there, I mean, all of us are, but there's people out there that are, you know, quite frankly, they're, everything could look great. Everything could be good to go, but they're, they're just dealing with stuff um, now that they either weren't dealing with before, or they're dealing with things at a level that they are finding it harder to, to handle. I mean, there's a lot of mental health stuff out there that a lot of stuff underneath the surface that doesn't show up on any background check, any resume, any of that sort of stuff. But they, they might just be, you know, trying to get by and trying to get by. And, and you know, it's, it's different, different time, different time and place. That's for sure. It's uh, so I've recently had one of the many podcasts I turned into uh, uh, the harder business review was talking about just that mental health and the workplace and the shift and the change. And Darren, this is coming over to you through audio works with technology where it is and, and AI in these unforeseen circumstances, which, let's be honest, there aren't many new unforeseen circumstances. There are there are early warning signs that now we can tell. For instance, uh, as I understand it, companies now, depending on when you're logging into your computer to do your work, when you're when you're clocking in and out, uh, things of that nature, how much time you spend on the phone, all of this is being tracked and cataloged and and turned into indicators. You mentioned before the CEO videos for deepfakes, but at the same time, there's technology analyzing our facial expressions, micro expressions in our communications. I, I mean, shouldn't there be, as an HR professional, which I am not, uh, are there, are there, is there a light at the end of that tunnel to say, hey, this person's burning out, or, or maybe this person's a bad actor automatically? Not just on the IT side, which we talk about a lot, but really more on the on the programming side, using that AI inward at your own organization. Darren, you with me? Maybe, maybe not. If not, I'm passing. Can you hear me? Dan. Okay, <laughs> there he is. Okay, can you hear? Yes. Can you all right? Sure can. Okay, good. Yes, it can. All right, great. Okay, so so I would I would say that. Uh, yeah, if, if you if you haven't take a look at uh, a website called This Person Does Not Exist, uh, you'll see a really you can create fake profiles very very easily. So it's very easy to set up pictures. Um, with websites like LinkedIn, we have a trust, right? When we have similar people who connect, and it's very easy to create uh, a fake profile and gather a lot of information on somebody and their company through there. Um, there's all apps that we use, like TikTok, for example, which we know are being used uh, to profile people and their photographs and what they say. And uh, it's an app that can install malware. It has that ability to. It also uh, has the ability to check your your through apps 
controlled on your phone, so government-developed apps. So uh, it's it, it's a uh, it's aware of, and also there's been a huge growth in cash intelligence, which is really important to see what has been leaked by your company out there. So it's important to see those uh, like just pasted. Paste bin, these types of websites, such as you know, the CEO and, and his bank account, that kind of thing. So, I so I can use those sites to see if my developer is off spending those funds from my CPACE loan or the CPACE loan, uh, in a nefarious <laughs> way, it sounds like. But Saul's got his hand up, yeah, yeah. Andreas, you think about your point about mental health. Right. And so I think where you were kind of going with this is what if you could build a big enough database of people's facial expressions and apply, you know, had the computing power, the computer scientists and the artificial intelligence to go at it and analyze years and years of expressions of serial killers. Could you maybe get a, a you know, ahead of time uh, an idea based on the right on the the facial expressions and the data behind it. But if you could, then you got to get into this issue of privacy. So our facial expressions then would need to be protected from a privacy perspective. But I got where you were going with that, right? I think. You did. And and, and spot on Facebook stopped using their facial recognition algorithm a few years ago, I think ahead of this very, that privacy issue, because it would open up too much, too many issues with privacy. But as a company, we, you know, we signed a, a code of ethics working at Inland. You, there's a, there's a, an expectation. And, and not only to your point and your spot on, yes, uh, privacy is the issue, data, it's all there. But can Inland as a, as a large corporation, and I'm using as an example, Inland does incredibly well in all things. Uh, as, a, <laughs> as, as any large corporation, can we figure out ahead of time that that contractor, that team, that site uh, isn't doing so well? Should we know that above and beyond the market? Rebecca, we skipped over you on the on the TikTok, LinkedIn of it all. And correct or I, not for nothing, as my own shameless plug, is a great place for real estate professionals. And we do check for bad actors. All accounts are verified. But uh, where are we? Why not? Should we be there? And we are coming up on the top of the hour here. So we're going to have to move to part three relatively soon. But go ahead. I, d I did want to, I, I think I can bring this all together. And I want to talk. So I think that there's an intentionality when a, a company is operating. And that intentionality has to go to the employees. And we are seeing elevated HR practices talking about culture, talking about mindfulness, about work-life balance, all of those conversations are really important. I think the next step to, to really making culturally a shift that, that takes care of employees is the mentoring that Chris is talking about. So when Chris was talking about these older, more mature, really knowledgeable people being brought back it's because they have that chance to have apprentices and mentor them. I just have a broker who runs a mentoring program who just hung his license with me. We were doing a whole mentorship, a formalized mentorship program. I got to participate in a mentorship program this year as a mentor. It's amazing to be able to have those opportunities to pass it along. And I think that we are, it's our, it's the onus is on us as older professionals, like to give back in that Jeez. way of training and teaching. And I think about Darren, who is professionally a teacher. Like Absolutely. We, we all have this really great opportunity to share our knowledge. And that's part of maintaining that healthy structure. Because if you have a mentoring platform or structure within your organization, you're catching that stuff. You're knowing that the project's not getting done because somebody is suffering from some outside external influence. So that's my pulling that part together. <laughs> Well, and, and, and Becca and I and talked about this a couple of months back in one of the sessions uh, about women mentoring women and uh, uh, creating a stronger commercial real estate workforce uh, with women. Well, and, and 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 to 
bring it around a little further to Saul's point and what I was trying to allude to, even if we get to a point where a computer is going to tell me that person's that person's baby was crying at 3 a.m. and he didn't get enough sleep, clearly for whatever reason, however it does it, facial expressions, those human nuances, uh, that intuition that someone needs a little help or needs to pull back a little, that is AI that doesn't exist. A, and Darren, correct me if I'm wrong, we have AI that can calculate a lot of things, but it does not calculate common sense. It cannot make that leap. It cannot bring with it the 50 years experience, for instance, England has in doing what it does and understanding between the lines. Uh, everyone on this call, speaking of mentors, England founded by teachers, saw you, you taught the industry, the internet in real estate. So back to your point. Yes, that's right. Mentorship. Uh, the human element. You hit the uh, nail on the head, uh, Andreas, and that's nuance. nuance. And so any professional in any industry that's worried about being replaced by computers just needs, needs to focus on the nuance of their job. And that's not to say that computers won't be able to do that someday. But right now, that's your strong point. And that's the human side. And that's where the power is. Yeah, I, in, the old said, school, in the old school of, ethic, <coughs> of ethics, is a big deal. And when you have the relationship, uh, like, a, you know, like our Joe Casenza, when he buys stuff for the United States, he's got relationships with people, you know, for many, many years. And that, that, uh, that your word is your bond and all that, you know, all the good stuff that we grew up on. It's, it's tried and true for a reason. And, and I'm, I'm at, we're old school. Yeah. Your network is your net worth, uh, is, is, is true, is as true today as it always was. Yep. And I don't mean your IT systems, Darren. I do mean the, the people you work with, right? Your ability to execute. And we, and we are running into the top of the hour here. Part three of the show, as always, what should our listeners, our audience do? What should they be aware of? If you had to pick one thing from each of your individual sectors uh, to point them towards, what would it be? Uh, I will go, I'm going to call it out around the room. I think we're in different orders, just like a traditional Zoom meeting. But Dan, you're to my right, so I'm going to start with Dan. What is the one thing a real estate practitioner or audience should be focused on from where you sit? So the Democrats have an ambitious agenda to pass the Schumer Mansion Reconciliation Bill by Sunday or Monday. And just uh, be you know, aware of that and see, because that's that will have a direct impact on uh, your business. So make sure you're aware of it. Chris, what's the one thing uh, the industry should be focused on from your side of the business sector of the industry? It's not a Zoom call till somebody's not. So, on. yeah. So I second exactly what Dan said for one, but then the, on the other side of things, kind of an overall uh, situation, we kind of saw mentioned that people are getting back out there. Darren mentioned verifying the right people, and we all talked about all the the backbone of this whole thing is that um, you know. Be visible, physically get out there and start networking and get in front of people. And, and you know, that kind of tried is true and get in front of people and figure out who you're dealing with. Uh, there's a lot of events coming up. There's a lot of things going on. Um, and just get out there and, and, you know, start dealing face to face with some people and find out where the players are and not only find out where they are and go there, but also be visible because if if you're not out there and you're kind of invisible, people aren't seeing you, it makes it a lot easier for people to try to, um, you know, kind of pull one over on you or hide themselves if you're hiding from them. Speaking of being visible, Becca, if you're invisible or even if you are visible, based on what everyone else is saying, it sounds like you have to uh, perpetuate and make sure that you're in person back to network and net worth. What's the one, what's the one side, what's the one thing you'd advise for the industry? Well, an important piece of perpetuating visibility is paying attention to analytics. We do that on this show. We're always tracking the analytics of who's talking to us because we do get like little notes in chats on the various platforms that matters to us because we like to interact with our audience. But also th I'm thinking about Saul. He's paying attention to his car wash analytics. He knows that it's 10% higher this month than it was last month. We should all be paying attention to analytics and paying attention to numbers. So especially going in, I mean, we're in the last half of the year. Let's pay attention to our analytics. John, John Dewar, measure what matters, right? And we each have a set of metrics and things that make us uh, make our what we do more valuable. Because that's the nuance of it all, the translation. Saul, 
have to hand it to you there. What's the one thing the industry should be looking at? I think that we need to start to pay attention to land use policy. And we need to look at this huge problem we have, which is housing affordability. And one of the ways to combat this problem with housing affordability is the increased density. And there are certain parts of the country that are ripe for increased density, and there are certain parts that aren't. But if we could increase density something like 5 to 8%, we'd eliminate most of the uh, housing problems that we have. It doesn't take a whole lot. So I think in California, they just passed uh, recently uh, it's, uh, AB 9 and 10 which basically says all single family lots now can have multiple units on all single family lots. There's no more single family lots. All single family lots can have multiple units. Now there's a lot of different aspects to this, but that's the law. And what hap has happened is the state, what they've said is local uh, the local ability under police power to have zoning and zoning laws to create the environment locally. It, it hadn't worked because people can't afford to buy properties. And so something has to take place and the state really in California has usurped the locals. And I'm not saying whether that's good or bad, has usurped the locals and said, single family lots, you can now build more than one unit on it. That opens up all kinds of issues and all kinds of opportunities. So if you're in the real estate industry, start to pay attention to those two bills, those two laws, because there probably are similar ones in effect right now and that will probably grow because the affordability issue is a major issue and we all need to come together and solve it. Absolutely. Uh, recently, I was at a, a broker's luncheon, 40 of the uh, most mature, let's call them, or the, the old guard here in my area. And uh, affordable housing, i.e. workforce housing is the today term, I've been told. So that density problem is, that density solution is going to change everything. And that's going to come back to regulation. But before we go there, given the time, Anna Maria, CPACE can help us get there if only there was a, a provision that said you could build that extra home, becoming more efficient for humankind for housing instead of just your lighting. What's the one thing they should be focused on? Well, uh, you know, just to that point, there is residential CPACE in certain states. Uh, actually, in four of the 50. CPACE uh, is enabled commercially in, in 37 plus DC. So, um, and that number is growing. Uh, I, I might even be off by one or two because there have been some recent uh, enablements. But um, I, I would just say CPACE is alive and well, and you need to find out about it if you don't know enough about it and just contact me. I'll be glad to help you through it. Absolutely. And Darren, uh, there's so much you could tell the industry to be watching or anyone to be watching in the cybersecurity world. <laughs> what's, the, what's the primary focus or what's the biggest thing on your mind uh, for our listeners? Um, well, well, ransomware continues to be a major problem, so that's important to prepare that. But I would just say the most sophisticated threats are the state-sponsored threats. And, you know, we had this shields up with, with uh, CISA, preparing, you know, with, with the uh, Russian aggression against Ukraine. And seeing in terms of China and what's going on with Taiwan, be prepared for cyber attacks from China against the U.S. And, and maybe the West in general. So so think about that. That's important. Which goes back to the point of, hey, uh, if you get an email, you get a call, you're working with someone, follow up by phone, right? Anything you, any everything you do, follow up by phone. It is the, the tried and true way to get deals done, uh, at least from where I sit. Guys, I want to thank you guys for tuning in and being such a great part of the show and helping grow this show to the size it has grown. Not only has it grown to be one of my favorite shows, it is a favorite show for over a thousand different listeners over the month. So I want to thank our audience for tuning in. And as a thank you for our audience tuning in, use promo code Krakow20 and not 20 and why for 20% off CRE tech, which is New York's biggest in-person commercial real estate tech event, exhibitors, networking, meeting the people in person, right? Uh, that's in October. 
And before we sign off, we've each gone around the roundtable hosts and talked about what's important, what's focused on. You can reach each one. Uh, Dan Wagner at Inland, Anna Maria Kowalik also at Inland, Rebecca Carlson, Chris Abel, and Professor Darren Hayes, as well as myself. If you have any technical questions, want to talk growth strategies and or just brokerage, we're here every month, first Thursday of the month. Before we sign off, don't forget to download our show and more importantly to call Saul. Because I didn't forget Saul. He put it out of order. You better call Saul. And it's Saul at bettercallsaul.com, funny enough. No, just kidding. At the data advocate. Yeah, Please Saul do. at bettercallsaul.realtor, actually. You, you do have it, right? The better call bettercallsaul.realtor. Yeah. I love that, actually. Uh, with that, guys, uh, I want to thank our audience again. Don't forget to download our show anywhere you get your podcast, audio, Apple, Alexa, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora. Simply ask your Alexa device. Listen to the Correct OAI Roundtable with Andreas Sunny. Please also don't forget to subscribe to YouTube channel where you can see our sector interviews with each of the hosts, as well as a host, a whole host of great content. Do share, rate, and review us. It does help. And don't forget to tune in next month or reach out. Thank you again for tuning in. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for hey, you. See you next time. Thank you.